Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Hey Kerwin, where you have the questions and I give the answers. Episode 29, we're almost at the 3-0. We're almost at the dirty 30s. I feel like KD, like... K-Day has overtaken everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen K-Day, check it out. It's a little business focused today. Okay. A little business theme. Uh, so the first uh, question we have is uh, about branding from Positive Energy Lifestyle on Instagram. Hey Kerwin, how can I build my brand while still helping others along the way? Wow, like that to me is the most, uh, I, oh gosh, I hate to sound condescending, but that to me is the most obvious answer. The way that you build a brand in 2018 is by helping people. Um, to me, in my opinion, you know, because uh, you know, I think a lot of people kind of assume that branding, you know, because branding once once upon a time was just putting your brand out there, you know, constantly showing your logo in a so you know, uh, in uh, and in an associated with a positive you know uh, emotional state, you know, Coke, you know, normally their branding commercials, you know, they they don't do direct response, they do branding, and for years, you know, they'd have these situations and these scenes where you know it would be social, it would be emotional, it would be high energy, you know, the the fucking the, the Volkswagen pulls in at the top of the sand dune. Uh, the door rolls back. It's a beautiful sunny day. There's not a cloud in the sky, and at the top of the sand dune, you know, these kids jump out and they're throwing their clothes off. And you've got these beautiful girls in bikinis, and you've got these hot guys in board shorts, you know, and they're having fun and they're joking and they're grabbing an esky and they're pulling out of the back of the car and they're running down the sand dune towards this big beautiful beach. And it's you know it's producing all, all these emotional ties. Uh, and then at that clincher moment where they're, they're picking the they're picking you know the visuals, they're picking the sound and the music and they're picking the energy and the combustion of that that connected to nature you know then you'd see the it's like you know coke uh, everything is better with coke uh, always refreshing uh, whatever the fucking tagline what is the tagline of coke I can't even remember just do it just no that's not <laughs> you know that to me is the old school branding and you know for a lot of companies that have massive multi-billion dollar budgets that's actually you know a branding strategy that should be a part of the mix but when you're, a, you know, when you're a small to medium-sized business player, you know, in an age where the dominant media is social, you know, you're not playing with TV. You're, you're playing with, you know, you're playing with Instagram. You're playing with Facebook. You're playing with LinkedIn. You're playing with YouTube. You've got to understand, you know, attention is what builds brands. You know, you've got to be putting an attention. You've got to be, you know, producing information, producing content, producing uh, media that number one garners attention, but then number two creates the right sort of right form of association. Because you know, when we look at this thing called the mere exposure effect. You know, we're trying to get in some, in front of someone with our brand at least, you know, ideally 15 to 20 times in a given period of time. But the mere exposure effect, it's a psychological phenomena whereby people tend to develop a preference for things because they come familiar with them. But this phenomena not only creates positive preferences, if you're putting your brand in, someone, in front of someone in enough times in the right emotional context, it creates a positive influence, it creates a positive association. But if it's done in the wrong context, okay, uh, it's going to create a negative perspective, it's going to create a negative influence and have create, you know, negative sentiment. So branding in the 21st century or branding in the social age for me, it really is about helping people. It's like, how do I create and construct content that I deliver to my market that speaks directly to them? You know, that speaks directly to, you know, to that demographic, to that psychodemographic, to that age group. Or how do I produce content that perhaps you have a, you know, a range of different demographics? How do I produce content for each one of those threads of demographic? You know, because you might find that you've got a number of different segments. You might have a strong segment between the ages of, you know, 25 and 35 single males. But then you might also discover you've got, you know, 
know, a strong demographic between 30 and 40 uh, of young mums, as an example, or 22 and 32 of young mums. You want to be producing content that is of utility nature, whereby that content by design is going to provide some form of a value. And by them seeing value in what it is that you're producing, you're going to have their attention and they're going to be watching it. And that's where, you know, subtle brand play, you know, will really fall into it. And just by fact, by virtue of their watching your video and they can see the name of the page that they're watching the video on, you know, that's a level of branding, you know, and then you start getting into the production branding side of things where you start, you know, creating a style and a look and a feel to your content that every time people see that type of video, they go, well, I know that's, that type of, that's, that's Cohen's video because you know, that's the type and the style. And you can start introducing branding through, you know, intros and branding through outros uh, and branding through personality, you know, because personal brands are a huge part of branding in the 21st century. Fuck, I sound like an old person when I say that. Um, but to me, you know, you know, the, the equity in any brand is the association that that brand has with the market that it ha- is familiar with it. And, you know, we're looking for positive equity. You know, we're looking for positive equity because if you build up positive equity over a period of time, then that really primes people for DR. You know, the direct response, you know, is, a, is an art that is, you know, it's become almost forgotten in many ways. Like I, I grew up and I, I was a copywriter. Like my first, uh, my first job in, in marketing and advertising was, you know, direct response copywriting where I was writing, you know, classified ads and new newspaper ads and fucking, you know, radio and TV little slots where I was actually creating content where the number one goal was to create a sale. And we've got to understand the difference between promotional marketing, you know, or sorry, direct response marketing and, you know, utility marketing or branding. You know, direct response is all about making the sale. How do I go straight for the jugular? How do I get this person straight into bed, you know, and and get things rocking and rolling? Whereas branding is more about the understanding of building value over time to building, building, building value over time through the distribution and the delivery of really high value content that creates this relationship because the difference between a direct response brand a brand that is you know well known for having direct response and you know uh, there's a number of furniture brands that are very good at direct response marketing okay and they're known for having the the sales and the cheap stuff and you know 40 percent off and they're always going out of business that kind of stuff but the challenge that a lot of those brands that i've seen is the sentiment because what they do is they're very good at getting people in based on the sentiment of you're going to get a bargain. But the, the, the customer service, uh, the, the relationship, the follow-up is so poor because that's the, the area that they play at that they actually do more damage to their brand long term. And as a result, they have to constantly rely on direct response. See, if you're constantly relying on direct response, you're not actually, you're not actually moving into the area of, of farming, which is most profitable, which is where people just come, where you harvest clients based on the brand, not based on the media. And what I mean by that is, you know, you don't necessarily want to be waiting for your customers to buy every time you throw a piece of direct response content in front of them. You know, you want your customers to buy anytime they think of you, your product, your service, and they want to buy it, the first thing they think of is you. They don't need a direct response piece of content to be put in front of them. And the way that you create that kind of top of, top of mind awareness is by, you know, publishing content on a regular basis, like visual content. So we're talking videos, uh, uh, pictures, infographics, audio content, you know, get your content into, into audio format with podcasts, uh, articles, text content, you know, being doing long form articles on LinkedIn, you know, blog articles, creating, you know, taking everything you do and getting it transcribed, you know, and making sure that you're attacking all different forms of media, all different forms of format. And, and most importantly, doing it with the perspective of I'm going to create content that is of service, uh, you know, solve people's problems. 
And I think this is the challenge that a lot of people have. They think that the more they solve people's problems through their marketing, then the less attractive they're going to be. Whereas what I've discovered through our, and I've always known this, uh, but what we've discovered you know, at a very high level with our business is the more we help people, the more demand and the more desire uh, that we create for people to actually want to just throw money at us to the point where people get, a, you know, in some cases slightly abusive if they ring us or they send us a message and they want to buy something and they're in a foreign country and we have nothing to sell, they actually get quite upset. You know, and that's actually, uh, as much as it is, um, you know, shocking commercial, oh my God, we've got nothing to sell. It's also entertaining on some level that you can create that kind of desire for a product. You know, you've got to understand, you know, when you look at uh, Nintendo Game Boy, uh, Tickle Me Elmo, um, you know, any the Cabbage Patch Dolls, uh, any of these, 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 these products that have been used, these toys that have been used on limited release psychology, Apple products is an example. You know, whenever you create a high level of brand demand, you now people will go to any extent in order to get access to the products and the services. You know, people have punch-ups at fucking Christmas. Every Christmas time there are punch-ups in, in toy stores when they're limited release products you know get dropped on the floor the pallet you know the plastic gets ripped off and you know i'm not condoning that kind of a behavior but the market psychology is quite interesting what is it that you have to do to create that level of demand whereby people will actually get into physical altercations in order to get access to your product where people will be physically or verbally abusive and who normally would be you know completely you know model citizens church going citizens what is it that that drives that kind of behavior and it's desire and what is it that drives that desire well it's a it's a connection and association between what that product is and what that product gives you and your media is the bridge and the more you content you publish and the more content you put out there the stronger that bridge becomes until all of a sudden you know you don't have a bridge you have this super highway of connection between you and your audience whereby the moment they think of you and the moment they consider buying your products and services they don't need a direct response piece of content and put in front of them they just immediately respond and they want to buy by virtue of the branding that has been done and look my version of branding is I know based on you know the stuff that we're doing in here right now my version of branding is different to other people's version of branding because you know, it's the look and the feel and the tone and everything else but to me it's like what's the association when someone sees your your brand in the market what's the association that's bra- that's the impact that's the net the net effect of branding is what is the association that people have when they look at your brand do they even fucking you know, they look at your your brand they look at your facebook page your instagram page your logo your product your service someone mentioned it, do they even fucking know who you are and if they do know who you are what is the first what's the top of mind thought what's the top of mind thread what's the types of conversations that people are having in and around your brand that to me is the net effect of branding. Uh, so to me, you can't brand in this day and age without helping people if you're going to be doing it at a high level. Uh, and by the way, branding will make direct response a lot more impactful and uh, give you a much stronger ROI by virtue of creating that positive sentiment to a point where sometimes, you know, once someone's got a strong relationship, that some people might need to have a direct response piece of content put in front of them in order to respond and want to, you know, do you know, business with you and buy your products and services. But you can't do one without the other, in my opinion, in this day and age, if you're wanting, if you're wanting to do it effectively. That was a fucking great question. That, that was like branding in an, like That's like branding that's 101. It. That's it. <laughs> I can go home now. I got a follow-up question to that. Actually. Ooh, I like follow-up questions. Real Ollie official. Hey Kerwin, what's been your ROI on implementing a social media strategy? If you look at our net social media strategy in the last, uh, what has it been, two and a half years now? Two years, just about. Yeah, two, oh, no, May 30. Mm-hmm. Two years and a month. Oh, two years and a month. Mm-hmm. Wow, I can't fucking believe that. Like, I literally sometimes 
I have to pinch myself when you consider in the last two years and one month, the reach, like we've almost reached three quarters of a billion people with our social media. That's just in terms of reach. You know, we've engaged with, uh, I think it's now over half a billion people. We've had, you know, we're probably moving close to like 400 million, 500 million, uh, half a billion videos that have been viewed, you know, most of which of those have been organic. Uh, and the net effect of that, you know, has essentially been, in essence, t well in excess of multiple now eight figures of return in revenue. So we're talking tens of millions of dollars in return as a result of social media. Uh, so that, to me, it's 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 really hard to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, what has the ROI been specifically? It's like millions. I would say millions of percent. Uh, when you look at in terms of the dollars that are spent, if you were to break it down on an individual campaign level. Um, and look, every campaign is different, but to give you context, in the last campaign that we ran, uh, I think we ended up spending maybe $34,000 in a paid campaign that was targeted towards a well-branded audience uh, that produced uh, net sales over the next three months of about $5 million. So when you consider, you know, let's call it 40,000 bucks in, okay, and then the net effect of 5 million out, uh, I, I couldn't even, I'm not, I don't have the fucking mental agility to be able to process what those numbers mean uh, from a percentage wise, but what I can say, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's enormous. And I can't think of any other, you know, what's interesting right now is we're actually looking to double down even further because we only do paid campaigns. So we only do promotional paid campaigns uh, four times a year in line with our promotional schedule. Uh, we do paid branding every single day but we're literally now about to take our paid branding budget I think it's from about you know 35,000 a month to I just got approved for $200,000 a month from uh, Isabel I said okay I want to spend $100,000 a month she goes okay we can do it and I was going back and said can we make it 200,000 bucks a month now the reason I, I'm, I'm now doing this is because I understand we have a very limited window in the next, you know, two, three, four years to be able to maximize the undervalued attention that, you know, Facebook holds, that Instagram holds. And so for us now, like we're, you know, and I, and I kind of say this with a little bit of, because I, like I'm literally thinking like, if you think what we've done now is good, <laughs> we've done like 80% of our, 90% of our branding has been done unpaid. Like we're about to get, we're literally only about to get serious right now. Like we're literally about to go, okay, let's fucking blow this thing up. And um, yeah, I'm kind of like, well, well, if we can get this far, not without trying, there's been an enormous amount of effort, but we've done it, you know, really just by kind of, let's be honest, we've been feeling our way. Mm -hmm. We've been trying to work this out as we go. You know, we've been following the great, the, the standing on the shoulders of giants and you know, following the great the greats who have done it before us. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk has been a huge influence in, in all the things that we do. And, you know, we just basically watch what he does, you know, and pick it apart, pull the eyes out and uh, identify and, you know, re-customize re it for, for what it is that we do. But I'm just, you know, constantly looking at what everyone else is doing. But in terms of ROI, it's, it's, it's indescribable. Uh, and I think every business right now on the planet, literally, it has got a, a talk, a talk, a clock that's going tick-tock that is counting down from... What are we looking at? Uh, it's counting down from 24, 36, uh, what's 36, 40, what's 36 plus 12? No, yeah. 36 months. How many months three in three years? years? 36 months. <laughs> well done. Thank you. Uh, every single business right now should have a timer on the wall 
that is set for three years from now that is count. Actually, you know what? We should fucking do that. We should put a, a, a timer on the wall that literally has 36 months and then it's broken down you know, by hours. Sorry, by 36 months, broken down by weeks, broken down by hours, broken down by minutes, broken down by seconds, and then it's just ticking down. Because literally, that is what is going on right now in the concept, in the context of social media. We are on this limited window of time to be able to invest as much as we possibly can to dominate the next phase of business. Because whoever owns social media in the next three years is going to own media you know, for the next, we could call it the next 10 or 20 years. It could be only five years, we don't know. But what we do know is right now, you've got the interwebs. You've got this beautiful thing we call the, we call, we call the interwebs, right? And, and there are many things that kind of uh, connect us to the, to the internet. You've got search engines, which is very much a direct response mechanism. But we've got this layer between the internet and humanity, and that's called social media. And social media is we all go, that's, that's basically how we navigate you know, the internet. When you look, I would go as far as to say, you know, based on the statistics and what I, I would say if you reflect on your own life, 80% of your off, off social media navigation, 80% of your internet use, I would say at a minimum, 70% of your internet use would be driven by the links that you're clicking on from social media. So right now, social media is where it's at and there is this limited window to really establish yourself, you know, very strongly, you know, in the next three years, let's call it four years, and the more people who do that, the, the stronger the ROI is going to be for the next five to ten years from that and, and who knows where it could go from there. But uh, yeah, don't wait. Speaking of giving away stuff, in, like serving, giving stuff away, we run this event called the Fast Grow Summit where I literally give my, I give my entire Instagram strategy, my entire uh, Snap, like Snapchat and Instagram are responsible for millions of dollars in sales. I give away the entire strategy. Facebook is responsible for tens of millions of dollars in, in revenue. I give that, that stuff away completely. Uh, so there really is no excuse, you know. Fastgrowsummit.com, if, if you want to check out more about how, how we can help you with that. Uh, but yeah, there's no excuse in this day and age. The clock is ticking. Let's finish off with Jeff Schulte. Hey, Kerwin. Do you ever have an extended break or vacation? You seem to always be working. Do you and your team have a good work-life balance? Uh, my team? Me? Getting any high performer to have a, na a native or a natural a good work-life balance, from my observation as a high performer and recruiting and developing and working with high performers, it's typically going to be the biggest challenge for most organizations and individuals. Um, myself included, I, um, I am always working. I, I am a beast. I am a machine. Uh, but I am learning the importance of repeating the same mistakes over and over, the importance of R&R &R and downtime. And I, I have learned this lesson, like you, I don't know how many times I've learned this lesson since you've been here, but it's been Many. lots where you know I get myself fit I get myself healthy I, I get myself really clear and then I literally just run like a maniac you know in the direction of where the, the most biggest fire is uh, and I keep running until yeah I have stumps on my feet uh, on my ankles because I just that's that's my personality so for me uh, I am developing a better work-life balance every single day it's something I'll be honest with you I, I get it good and I'm good and then it fucking starts to fall away again. And then I get it, and then something right now happens. Like right now, I'm literally on the verge of going on a holiday, uh, and I need it. Like I'm tired. Like even the, you can even tell with the intensity of the hey curls. It's nice actually like this. It's kind of a little bit more relaxed. Uh, it's less intense. Um, but yeah, like I'm really desperate for, for some time out to, to yeah, basically, no, I was going to say recharge, but I went to say resuscitate because that's sometimes what it feels like because I get myself to the point where I don't need to recharge. I actually need to be fucking resuscitated because I do work myself, uh, you know, with that level of intensity. But that being said, one of the things that we do in our organization to ensure work-life balance 
is um, you know we provide a, a, a very healthy working environment. You know we have a gym in our office. We bring in a personal trainer and they run four personal training sessions a week, group personal training sessions a week. Uh, we buy clean and fresh and healthy food for our team every single week. We provide a full range of nutritional uh, supplements and nutraceuticals and protein powders and you know to to really supplement you know the high performance that's required to work in an environment like this. Uh, as a general rule, every person has to have a holiday booked in their diary every three months. Not everybody succeeds with that, myself included, myself probably being the poster child for that, but that is a requirement, you know. Um, and one of the things that drives the care and the nature of care in this organization is our values, you know, because we have a lot of values that really relate to the care of one another. One of them is, you know, we are family. Um, and as family, when you notice that people are tired, you take care uh, and you intervene. And there's been plenty of times where I've had to, you know, a good coach will know when to rest his, know when to rest his players. And there's been plenty of times where, you know, working with individuals in this team now, like we've almost got 40 people in the team, that's a lot of fucking faces to read every day. That's a lot of body language to read every single day because not everyone's going to tell you exactly how they're feeling and not everyone's going to you know, necessarily have the time to have conversations that are going to let you know. And so one of the things as a leader you have to get, or that I've learned how to get really good at, is just reading people's bodies, looking, knowing what their baseline looks like, but then being able to read their posture, read their face, read their, you know, their mannerisms to actually know exactly where they're going on. And if someone is starting to look fatigued and someone is starting to look tired and the signs are starting to show, that's where it's, you know, a good leader will, will, will intervene uh, and there'll be an intervention whereby, you know, uh, a rest will not be, uh, rest will not be suggested, it'll be forcibly prescribed. You know, I, I can think of at least a do, more than a dozen scenarios. Just, when I send someone home. Evelyn? Yeah, sending Evelyn home. Mm. Um, I, I can think of, like, I, tr I tried to send Brooke home yesterday. Uh, you know, I, 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 she wouldn't fucking listen, but that was because I wasn't here. But, you know, I can think of a dozen plus scenarios just in the last three months where we have forcibly sent people home who didn't want to rest. Uh, but sometimes that's what you have to do for high performers. High performers just know they've got grit, they've got resilience. To them, pain is just an invitation to keep going. And that's where, you know, we, uh, we as an organization are good, but, you know, like anyone, we, we probably could be better at it. But in terms of performance uh, and what we produce, yeah, I think we're, we're right up there. Sweet. That's episode 29. Boom! That's episode 29 of the Hey Kerwin Show. Thanks for listening to Hey Kerwin. If you would like your questions answered, don't forget to use the hashtag Hey Kerwin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.